Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And hi, we're back. And I've been on the road. Poor Richard's been in the dentist chair for whatever, it seems like forever, but... That's not a road. That's not a road you want to go down if you don't have to. I think I blame it on the municipality of Logan, Utah, which had no fluoride in the water when I grew up, and I think I've got soft teeth. I think you do, too. I personally blame it on flossing your teeth too much. He flosses. It's funny you say that. The dentist just told me today I need to floss a little better. Oh, my gosh. He doesn't know what's going on at our house. But anyway. um, It's always Linda to have me floss my teeth. Isn't that funny? Do do I make a lot of noise? No, no, no. Only when you're in bed. I don't like you to floss your teeth in bed. It's really annoying. It's annoying. I've been trying to train you since the day we got married. But anyway. Maybe I'll just do it while I'm watching Sports Center or something. That would be good. That would be good. Anyway, I've been on the road to San Francisco this week. I flew into Oakland, and we have a daughter who lives in Palo Alto. Our youngest, our baby. Yeah. Our baby. She has um, ha- had kind of a rocky uh, few months. Uh, her nice boyfriend called off their relationship, and so she's been well, trying to go Well, let's not get on. into the details. We don't really but know the details. she needed a little, that's true, <coughs> but she needed a little TLC. And so I went out to be with her and to meet her wonderful friends. You know, the great thing about it, though, Linda, I was just thinking, she's one of only two kids that we have that don't have any parenting problems. They just haven't made any mistakes as parents. That's true. They're still single. (laughs) And we were just talking about the advantages of being single. There are a lot of advantages for being single. and uh, they're only recognized by those of us who are married. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> that is true. I mean, I, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are happy being single, but um, there are just a lot of beautiful, gorgeous, talented, intelligent young women that would like to be married and are not. But that's a, a different show on a different day. Today... Yeah, Linda thinks, by the way, that... Um, I don't know. You really do think that, don't you, Linda, that most, uh, most guys are dorks and pretty much all women are great. No, you can't say that. We have, if you say that, we have a son who's a dork. You can't call him that. So, um, anyway, it's just how it all, I don't know how it all balances out. How we get these guys to really commit, I don't know. But anyway. Well, despite that very sort of frivolous here and there beginning, we really do have a lot to say today because we want to talk a little about Christmas traditions and why Christmas is such a fantastic family time. It is for almost everyone. I, can you think of anyone, Linda, who doesn't pretty much spend Christmas with their family? And, and when I say that, everyone, of course, has a family, and maybe that's just an aunt or an uncle. Maybe it's just a person that you have been close to for many years. We all have families, and whoever our families are, Christmas seems to be the one time that we're all together. Well, I'm sure there are a lot of lonely people at Christmas and people who need our help and so on, and and we're trying our best to help those individuals who don't have all that we have at Christmas time, And, and there are so many of them. I think you can't say that everybody loves Christmas, but there really is something about the Christmas spirit that changes people's 
outlook on life. Um, sadly, sometimes just for a month, but it really is wonderful to see the great things that are happening in the world because of the Christmas spirit and um, doing what Christ would want us to do to help others. You know, you, you hear a lot of things that are not really negative, but in, in some ways not as happy as they should be at Christmas. You hear a lot of people saying, oh, the commercialization of it is just about to drive me crazy, and you hear other people. And the saddest ones, I think, are those who really say, I, I just, Christmas reminds me of all the things I don't have or all the things that I wish I'd done differently or all the things that maybe other people have that I don't have or makes me feel guilty I didn't do a better job with my family when my kids were younger. But let's let's set all that aside today and let's and let's just say that everyone has problems. Everyone has some things they wish they had done better. By the way, we're gonna do a whole show on guilt one of these weeks, Linda, because guilt might be the biggest problem parents have when you really get right down to it, but we'll save that for another week. What we want to do today is have you take a little bit of an introspective look at the traditions that you have in your family at Christmas. Now, there are a guy came up to me, I didn't tell you about this, Linda, but someone recently said to me, oh, I don't really, um, we really don't have any traditions uh, centering around Christmas. And I said, what? He said, no, we do. We just sort of do the normal stuff, you know, like... Um, get a tree and um, put some stuff on it and, um, you know, give each other presents. So I said, well, Have a turkey. <laughs> those are traditions, you know. He said, well, but we just do the old, the same ones everyone else does. Well, I doubt it. What's interesting to us is that everyone does Christmas just a little bit different. I mean, I remember my mom used to, you know, she would take us when we were little kids and make sure we knew how to hang the little icicles on the tree so that they were straight and they didn't hit each other and they weren't tangled in any way. And I, I've never, I don't think I've ever told you this, Linda, but she would iron, she would save it. That's the other thing. Every year, no. <laughs> every year when Christmas was over, she would take the icicles off the tree. These are the little thin ones. Oh, know? you'd have to be kind of old to remember. She'd take them off and she'd save them for the next year. And, and here's the real clincher. She would iron them from the year before so they were nice and straight. Oh my gosh, no wonder she wanted you to hang them straight after all that trouble. No, you oh may really laugh about that, but that was part of the tradition is how we did it. Well, it's part of growing up in an age when, you know, nobody had any money during the Depression, and it really hung on, even to I Don't imply that I grew up in the Depression. No, our parents did, yeah. That's really, it's really true. So you've all got traditions, and we want you to think a little about what, I mean, here we are just a few days and a little more than a couple of weeks away from Christmas, and how, how are you honoring Christmas? Um, does it start too soon for you? Do you wish it started a little later? What are the things you look forward to most when you start thinking about Christmas? I need to go back for a minute to traditions because I... We were just walking around Carmel on Saturday, and I've never been to Carmel before, but it's the most charming little village. Oh, my goodness, it's 
so You've amazing. You've been to Carmel by the sea before. I've never been you to there Carmel. Before. No, no, no. You're thinking of someplace else. I have never been to Carmel. Anyway, it was so delightful. But what I saw in the window of one of the uh, stores was bubble lights. And that's what we had on our Christmas trees, bubble lights. There's a kind of a bulby thing at the bottom, and then there's a little candle-looking thing at the top, and it bubbles. And honestly, that was the most exciting part of Christmas for me is to get off those bubble lights. And I just thought, after I got home, I thought, why didn't I buy those? Probably because they were too expensive. Why didn't, why didn't you buy those? I, I've never, you've always talked about bubble lights. I don't know what in the world I you're talking about. I should have bought some. But anyway, knowing Carmel, they're probably way too expensive. But... Honestly, there are some things that just take you back to your childhood. I was talking to Charity about, this is our daughter, about the things I remembered most about Christmas the other night. And and I remember my sister and I, you know, practicing waking up. For two weeks, we practiced waking up. She'd wake up first. Um, this is Christmas morning, you know, just practicing. And she'd wake up first and I'd wake up first. And we'd have all kinds of wild, dramatic ways to wake each other up on Christmas morning. And then we had a little string that we went from our bedroom into the kitchen so we could turn the light, turn off the light and find out what time it was because we were not allowed to get up before 6. So, um, but of course, we didn't have any clocks in our room, so we didn't know what time was. We didn't have watches or anything, and so it was a big deal to have that string. You know, look back on your Christmases as a child and, and think about it for a minute. What do you remember most, and um, what was your favorite gift? And just kind of admire in that for a minute. Well, and here's here's what I want to say. We'll just get into this a little before the break, and then we'll get deeply into it after the break. You have, as a parent eminent control over your Christmas traditions. Now, you know, you may want to be careful about changing them too much. Kids won't let you change certain things because they've become so used to them. But the question is, do you have traditions that really teach your children something and that really teach you something and that really keep the holidays as memorable as possible and perhaps that turn back a little of the commercialism. In other words, what I'm saying is if your only tradition, like this fellow I was speaking to, is, you know, put too much on your credit card and give everybody what they want and try to make everyone satisfied in some way, or do you have traditions that really do teach your children about Christ? Now, we can't assume that everyone listening is a Christian, but If you celebrate Christmas at all, then clearly what we want to do is celebrate he whom the holiday is named after. And little children have a remarkable ability to assimilate and think about Jesus and about the the birth of Christ and about Bethlehem. And and some of those things can be so incredibly magical. And I... I just want to say before we go to break and and then see if you want to add something people can be thinking about, Linda. To me, what I look forward to every year is what we call the Jerusalem Supper, when we all sit around a little table and with no lights and only candles and all dressed in period costumes as best we can come up with them, and sit there and pretend that we're Mary's family and that Mary and Joseph are leaving that night to travel to Bethlehem. And boy, oh boy. And then it just kind of takes a free form. Linda cooks things that 
could could have been had then. We have figs, we have fish, we have unleavened bread, and cheese, grapes. And we uh-huh. and we watch what happens at that Jerusalem supper. What's your favorite tradition? Then we'll go to a break. Well, I I don't know. I think our favorite tradition, my favorite tradition, might be has something to do with that. But uh, I love it when the kids get up on Christmas morning and just they're not allowed to come into the living room where the, where the gifts are until we have them sing some Christmas carols on the stairs. So we have lots of pictures of that mob sitting on the stairs singing Christmas carols to wake up their parents and uh, tell them it's time to get up and have Christmas. So sometimes that has started as early as, what was our record, 2.30 in the morning? They had to sing Christmas carols for three hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were all hoarse by the time we let them come up and get their <laughs> gift. But be thinking a little about your favorite traditions. We'll be right back after this break. Iyer's on the road. Parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. Parenting in a modern world, Linda. Modern world. We're we're talking about traditions. Some might say, well, that's not very modern. Traditions are something that are old and honored, and I guess that's true. Although sometimes they're also a little bit modern. You know, before we start on our Christmas traditions, because we know that we have some listeners who may not be Christians, as you mentioned in the first half, um, we have just gained a huge amount of respect for other people and their traditions. I mean, of course, everyone knows about the Jewish word tradition, you know, because of the wonderful play, but we also have been in the Muslim world in the last little while, and the traditions they have are just marvelous. They have Ramadan, their, which is kind of like their Christmas that lasts an entire month, so they fast all day from sunrise to sunset, and then they end with something called Eid, which is their Christmas day when they give each other gifts. But it's really all about them being better people, um, introspection and thinking about how they can do better, how they can be better. And I just think that is amazing. It's really a worldwide phenomenon. Traditions are a great thing. Well, and, and we've often said traditions are actually the glue that holds your family together. And even the ones that aren't particularly deep or powerfully instructional, just things that repeat each time that they come up. And, of course, Christmas traditions are probably at the top of that list. I think one of the problems parents worry a lot about, and there's a, there's a couple of traditions we've heard of and one we've tried that, sort of get at this problem, and that is kids who are focused on what they want and what they want to get and not really into the giving spirit at all. And, you know, it's almost as though in some cases it's like, well, the parents are the givers and the kids are the getters, and the kid's job is to write a letter to Santa of all the things they want and make a nice long list and so on. And you want to try to buffer that if you can. And, and what we started doing many, many years ago when our kids were very small, we, we decided we couldn't combine the two into the same day. In other words, if you try to get a kid, a little kid, interested in giving on Christmas morning when he's checking to see if Santa's been there, forget about it. So we divided it and we said, you know, Christmas Eve for us is going to be the time, number one, where we have this Jerusalem supper, this this reenactment of 
not only the nativity, but what might have happened before and some of the discussion that might have been had around it. And and then secondly, that will also be the time when um, the kids give their gifts to each other and when all the focus is 100% on giving. And we really love that. I mean, I look back on those little Christmas Eves and and the kids, and of course we'd go one child at a time. Okay, Saren, you're the oldest. It's your turn. Now you give your gifts. And we'd spend the next several minutes with Saren handing her little carefully chosen gifts one at a time to each person in the family. And all the praise, all the attention was on the giver. Wow, how did you know she wanted that? That is such a great gift. And giving a little hug from the recipient and so on. And, you know, a lot of times these were dime store gifts. We wanted them to be things the kids had actually bought themselves, and they only had $3 or whatever. Yeah, and first of all, they had to earn the money to buy the gifts. Right. Then it really meant a lot to them. In fact, one year we um, had them just do homemade gifts, but they had to buy the stuff to make it with. And that was hilarious. Oh, that was so oh my gosh. We had one that made uh, his a daughter that made his uh, brother a cardboard car that was just <laughs> out of this world. It was so cool. I still got the little thing for my desk that, uh, who, who gave me that? I said, that's terrible. I better look on it and see if it says, to said, I love Dad, but it was like a little thing that sat on your desk. A that piece of wood that he <laughs> chopped up and, and uh, painted on with it and put a little ribbon, you know, tacked a ribbon on it. But they'd go to the dime store, and it was hilarious. I mean, and, and again, it got to be funny for us, but it was it was not funny. I mean, it was like an in-joke for Linda and I because, oh, oh, Josh, a spatula. I've needed a spatula for such a long time. Thank you so much. It's the perfect gift, you know. And actually it was. I loved my spatula. Um, but it really is so important to have Kids think about giving as much as getting at Christmas time because if you're just having to make their list and filling that out, it really isn't doing your kids as much good. We, as we've talked about so much, um, considering the entitlement trap and the fact that kids need to think about other people and what they want to give. In fact, our one of our granddaughters this year, all she wants for Christmas, I haven't told you this yet, all she wants for Christmas is $100 so that she can have enough money to buy presents for her siblings. Oh. That she doesn't want one thing from Santa Claus. That's just what she wants. And um, it really is pretty amazing. These kids are so kind-hearted and so dear. I'm sure Santa Claus is going to show up with something. But it really is incredible what can happen if you really talk about it a lot and really emphasize the fact that Christmas is about giving as much as getting. It really is very, very important. And kids are good at it. I mean, they love the idea of thinking hard. And instead of, you know, it's it's a kind of a trick to get them to make two lists. One is certainly going to be the list of what they want. But the other one is the list of what they think the people they love might like and trying to think what that might be and figure out how to do it. And the homemade gifts really are pretty pretty wonderful, they are. to admit, Linda. Um, with, there are other things that we've done on Christmas, too, that are not so um, ethereal but are really fun. And one of them is that on Christmas morning, we always have eggs benedict. 
I got so tired of making two turkeys every year. One Thanksgiving, the other one at Christmas. I just thought, you know, I just want to enjoy the afternoon with my kids and not do a big meal. So we do our big meal at breakfast, and we have the Eggs Benedict, which I tasted for the first time when we moved back to Washington, D.C., and I had two or three little kids. I'd never had We thought it was so exotic. We thought it was awesome. Oh, my goodness. And so we decided that was what we were going to have for Christmas breakfast. And, I mean, I had no idea how far that was going to go. I just wanted to have some, you know. And and I had no idea how much cholesterol was in that either when you started that tradition. It's a cholesterol extravaganza. You know, a lot lot of uh, traditions really come before the holidays. And one thing we used to do, and several of our kids now do it, and we attend these whenever we can. It's called the Children for Children Concert. And what we would do is have, um, and this again was in line with this idea of trying to get kids more interested in giving, and we thought if kids could raise some money on their own and then give it at Christmas time to a third world village or to third world families, how great that would be. And so what we would do is have this concert and invite the whole neighborhood to come and each child who came, if they wanted to, could do a little number, a little song or play their instrument. Or read or a poem. Read a poem or just whatever they wanted. And parents would pay. We'd never say how much it cost to come. We'd say it, admission is by donation. And we were always amazed at how big some of the donations were because essentially the parents were paying to hear their own child perform. Which wasn't always the greatest, I have <laughs> along, to say. Along with a lot of other kids. And uh, our daughter, Saren, does that each year in August. Oh, and Sadie also in Boston. Sadie in Boston. And Shawnee, Shawnee in Arizona. Arizona. We're going up to the Ogden one. And I think last year that Saren's in, in Ogden, they made over $1,000 to oh, kids. They, uh, one time at Shawnee's house in Arizona, some guy left a thousand dollars. Oh, one one person got a check for a thousand dollars because plan on that well, no, but it was just the kids were over the moon because they were going to be able to give these orphans in Bulgaria new windows so snow was not coming in. I mean, literally, they don't the wind the windows are broken. The snow is coming in in the winter, and they don't have enough to eat and so on. And so they do a little movie before they start and show what it is that their money is going toward, and it really makes a huge difference to these kids. I do have to say this year, everyone's doing the Children for Children for, maybe partly for these Bulgarian orphans who we're kind of married to now, Um, but also partly for uh, the BBS program, which is Bardet-Beetle Syndrome, which is what our youngest grand, or one of our youngest granddaughters has, and they need some research. research money. And they need a, um, a data bank so that they can gather these parents together who have these children with this syndrome and so little is known about it. So Tony and Dave, um, Pothier in Arizona, are doing their very darndest to raise money so that they can do this um, bank of names and yeah, so on. It really helps. And, and everyone has a kind of a cause like that that they, that they really like. Um, also, and we're just trying to sort of thinking of these at random. You, the, the point is, there's no tradition that's necessarily better than another. It's just what works for your family. We know a lot of families that do what another thing we used to do, where you have a manger and you have a 
uh, you have a nativity scene, but there's no straw in the manger, and every every person in the family, whenever they do some little thing, a little kind deed, a little compliment to someone, uh, help someone with some little project, carry your dishes to the sink, or whatever, whatever little thing it is, can put a little straw in that manger. And sometimes kids, especially elementary age kids, really get into that. And by the time Christmas Eve comes, the manger is nice and soft, and that's when you place the, the Christ child in, who is made more comfortable by the good deeds that we've all done. I, I've always liked that little tradition. Yeah, it was really big at the time. Our kids were little. I don't know, maybe we could start that again. It's more elf on the shelf right now. It <laughs> this little elf that's on the shelf and watches the kids to see the good deeds that they do and so on. And they get gifts according to how good they are. But I hope you've got some traditions that center around music. I mean, even even families that don't do a lot of music sometimes find a lot of joy just singing. You know, singing the carols. Um, if you have a pianist, that's a beautiful thing to do. If you don't, sing along with the with the iPad. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's no excuse for not having music in your home anymore because there is something for everyone. You know, you you go on on Pandora now, Linda. There, it's hard to find any artist who doesn't have a holiday album, and you can listen to Christmas music for, you know, two weeks and never ever hear the same song twice. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, but. The point of the show today really is to have you kind of think about what your traditions are as a family. If you're just a young family starting with your babies and so on, this is ideal time to think about what you want to do with your kids because, wow, once you start those traditions, it doesn't stop. It goes on and on to the next generation, the next next. Um, so just think about your traditions because it really is the glue that holds the family together. It's why our kids love to come home at Christmas because they get to participate in what they remember as a child being so inspiring and enriching for their Christmas excitement. And, you know, if you are a family that's a little spread out and located in different places like we are, um, one of the things you should say in your prayers each night is thank you for Skype and thank you for FaceTime because isn't it marvelous? And I sometimes wonder how in the world uh, they can handle the capacity on Christmas Day. But, you know, once you're done with whatever your flurry of activity is, what a wonderful thing to be able to get on Skype or on FaceTime and, and really be with those who are far away and have them show you their Christmas and share that together. In other words, distance really doesn't have to limit us anymore. And the, the existence of distance between families sometimes creates new family traditions that actually involve electronics. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, we have to close by saying we we know that everyone doesn't have the perfect family. And sometimes Christmas is a hard time for people. <laughs> no one has the perfect family. So, you know, don't feel like, oh, that's, none of that's for me because my family all hates each other. And there are a lot of family situations that are very sad right now. So maybe think about how you can mend some fences at this time of year and how to forgive and how to forget. And sometimes it's harder, a lot harder than it sounds. But it really is so important to bring that into the Christmas message. 
And there's nothing wrong with the Santa Claus tradition, but it is sometimes a problem when kids confuse it in their minds with the real meaning of Christmas, of, of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk a little next time about separating the real things from the wonderful imaginary things. And so we hope you'll join us then. Until then, have a wonderful Merry Christmas from the Ayers to your family. And we send our best. And be careful on the road. Talk to you next time.